This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So great to have everyone here today. Thank you for joining us. A big hello to our to all the folks that are joining us online. And and again, like it's it's just a different rhythm. You know, Angela was asking, do I get more nervous or less nervous, given that we pretty much just have a studio audience now and everybody online? And the fact is, I just get nervous before every church service, <laughs> plain and simple. I know I make it look so easy, but uh, I know I don't make it look so easy. So thank you for joining us today. And in, in my nervousness, I want to say it's an exciting service to be, to be sharing with you folks today. You know, some different ideas we have around the concept of resilience. And, and I want to start here. Resilience is not success. Resilience is not success. It can be, but not necessarily. And I feel like we live within a world that, that celebrates success, which deserves celebrating, obviously. But there's a lot of resilience out there that, that oftentimes goes unnoticed. You know, the single mom working two jobs. Probably showing more resilience than somebody who's suiting up to play in an NFL football game this afternoon. Which is successful. Okay, I have an interesting question. And maybe both are in a certain way, and maybe the mom working two jobs may offer more of a lesson for us around resilience. So with resilience, we're going to look today at, at our, our series, and it's five-part series, Will We Survive This? That was last week. Patience When It All Goes Wrong is this week. Next week, Confronting Reality with Unwavering Hope. Number four, showing up for the ones we love. And number five, what do we want to be when this is over? So I want to talk today about patience, that second one, patience when it all goes wrong. And I want to sort of hold it in two ways. I want to hold it, you know, both from like a, from a, from a biblical story, but then also share a story story as part of this. You know, so yeah, we're going to look at a biblical story thousands of years old, and then I want to say, okay, let's look at a specific story to share about how that works, like how that works in somebody's life. And that's the story of a wonderful little congregant by the name of Reese. And this is how Reese started out his life in an incubator. Born three months early, born at 2.2 pounds, parents, Joe and Amber. And it's a story of resilience. And we're going to be going back and forth. And it's a story, I'll tell you, you know, not every story ends well, but next slide. This story certainly does. Ends beautifully, and we're going to talk about that and actually hear from them for a little bit. So the, the story I want to look at is this, is this story of Joseph. Now, a little background. So, so this is a story literally thousands and thousands of years old. And, and again, these stories, as we hold it in the new church, these stories are poetic truths. They actually they, they have sort of a sense of the letter. They have this, this, this external form. But then when we start to look at it in, in deeper depth, we start to see a poetic truth underneath it. Very similar, if, if you're of a Jewish background, very similar to the, to the Jewish tradition of Midrash, where, where you look at what it's here, and then you go, okay, what's the deeper lesson underneath this? And isn't it interesting with humanity, like we tell stories to each other all the time, 
and we try to share these stories as a way to teach bigger lessons. Some days, some days, people need a story more than they actually need food. They need a story more than they actually need food. Because those stories stick with us. And this is one that is a very sticky story, so to speak, because it's, it, it's a story about a dreamer, a young man who's a dreamer. He gets into some hot water with his brothers. There's 11 of his brothers. They essentially sell him into slavery. He disappears from the family. Again, this is a dreamer, picturing our dreams, gets sold out into slavery, that gets taken into Egypt, and that's where we pick up the story today, which is a time when he is in prison. So I want to read to you this paragraph, and then we're just going to pull it apart as part of this service. And I think you're going to see a lot of great life lessons in here. So first, the story itself. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. The warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Pretty basic story. And, and, you know, here's something to think about. Like, these stories would not have lasted thousands and thousands of years unless there was something poetically true about them. Or else it's just a story about a prisoner and a warden. You know, Lots of stories like that. But obviously there's something deeper here, which is why it's lasted, which is, which is why I can preach it in 2020, even though it's over 3,000 years old. So let's take a look at what that might be. I want to look first at this line, in the prison. So, so we all have times, right, where we're, just, where we're just in the prison, where we're feeling imprisoned. And that, and that feeling of imprisonment, it's a time of just feeling interiorly bound. It's, it's, it's that time of constriction. It's that, that time where we just can't get out of our own way. I mean, yeah, of course, sometimes it's actual literal incarceration, but for the vast majority of people, it's not literal, it's figurative. Where is that for you? Where have you felt bound? Where have you felt unable to to exercise that freedom that is God's greatest gift to you? Maybe even think, when was the last time you felt truly free? As God would see that freedom. I love the poet Christian Wyman, how he talked about imprisonment. It's it's a beautiful line, and Christian Wyman is is a wonderful poet. And this is how he put it. He said, when we're in prison, when can this imprisonment, when can this happen? The most blinding illumination that strikes and perhaps radically changes your life will be so attenuated and obscured by doubts, you may one day come to suspect the truth is in that moment at all. So something that was true, just all of a sudden, it's like, was that ever true? Next slide. The calling that seems so clear will be lost in the echoes of questioning and indecision. I get that. I can remember being a public school teacher, getting my first job, and thinking, I'm done. Ready for retirement. Here we go. 30 years, I'll be good. Not the, it's not the way it worked. The church that seemed to save you, this is a big one for all churches, the church that seemed to save you will fester with egos, complacencies, and banalities. Every church except for New Church Life, you know, 
Of course they are. The deepest love of your life will work itself like a thorn into your heart until all you can think of is plucking it out. Folks, this is so big. Like, I would actually ask you to take a screen capture or get out your phones and take a picture of this. Wisdom is accepting the truth of this. Courage is persisting with life in spite of it. Faith is finding yourself in the deepest part of your soul, in the very heart of who you are, moved to praise it. That imprisonment time period where we're just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. You know, there's, it's, it's so hard to get. There's nothing wrong there. That is just part of life. That's part of the dream coming to life. And what I see a lot as a pastor is I see people panicked, like there's something wrong and they need to correct it. And I do the same thing all the time. Instead of just taking a breath and saying gently to myself, that is this season. This is a season that feels that way. And what can we count on in that season? Well, I love this line. It goes on to say, the Lord was with him. All right, what does with him mean? What does it mean to be God with? He showed him kindness. Now, now that line there, right? It's kindness, ready for this, in prison. It's not the jailbreak. It's not the God that will save us from this stuff and pull us out of all our worries, concerns, and doubts. It's the God that joins us there. A much more powerful and enlivening view of God, I think. A much more true view. If if I hold, for me personally, if I hold that God is there to save me out of every doubt, worry, concern that I have, I'm going to be disappointed in God pretty quickly. (laughs) And probably stop believing in God pretty quickly. Because I've made God into a magician who can join me in my own magical thinking. The problems can just disappear with a snap of the fingers. That's not how it works. Please, folks, allow this one I'm going to say next to settle in your hearts. That's not how it works because that's not how we grow. That's not how it works because that's not how we grow. From New Church, we believe that this idea, the Lord showed him kindness, what that's talking about is a love that guides everything to ends, goals, and purposes. It's guiding it. It doesn't mean that there aren't detours on the way. There are clearly detours on the way. But there's a bigger guiding that's taking place. And that's where we need to breathe and just see that. And maybe we only see it for a moment. I had a a great conversation with with Marcus, uh, you know, right before church. Marcus is our sound guy, for those of you who are watching online. And Marcus was telling me, yeah, you know, how much of it's like surfing? You know, you surf. And a a really good, I've never surfed at all, just so you know. But 
But I imagine a really good ride on a wave is probably a minute or two minutes. Marcus, is that about right? Maybe. You know, you just get a minute or two of this clarity. <laughs> and, and I love that because I think, I think that is what we get. We, we just get these little moments where we see God's kindness in it, where we see this bigger picture, where we see this love that is guiding everything. It's just a little snapshot. We just ride the wave for two minutes. And man, is the wave beautiful for those two minutes. Our life can be changed by those two minutes. And of course, then the wave wipes us off, wipes us off of our surfboard. But that's life, right? It's, it's, just, it's just like sitting with those couple of minutes where it all comes together. And not holding it out there, as Brene Brown said with foreboding joy, that, that we're just going to wait for the next shoe to drop. But allowing that wave-riding moment to actually form our heart, to actually become who we are. So we live in that moment, even though that moment does not live on in a certain sense forever. In another sense, it can if we allow it to form our heart. And then this part that's fun. I love this line too. The warden. The warden put Joseph in charge of all those he held in prison. I love that idea of the warden. Now what does that mean poetically? Well, we have the idea of kindness, the love that guides everything. And now we have the idea of the warden, which is a governing truth that lifts us out of despair. That idea that, that we can figure stuff out that just, that just uh, we can figure stuff out and we can have a governing truth that we can keep coming back to. Let me share a few with you. You know, this morning, I'm a big Bob Goff fan. Bob Goff is a wonderful uh, Christian author. And Bob Goff this morning said, you want to have a better day? Please make sure you play with a puppy for two hours today. Like, there's a governing truth. Sort of tongue-in-cheek, but I think we all get the point. Others that I've thought about, You know, sometimes as a pastor working with people who are struggling or when I am working with someone and I'm the one who's struggling, just the simple line, the simple line, you've got this. You've got this. Yeah, but I have all these worries and concerns. I get it. You got this. That's a warden truth. Again, it happens when we're in prison. It's not a way of breaking out of prison. It's just something that helps us go through these times of feeling bound, helps us to just keep on taking the next step. And the last one I want to share with you is one I just love. It's the idea of the word yet. The idea of the word yet. Could we all say yet together and make it sound like there's 100 people in here? Ready? Excellent. So the word yet. Like, think about that word yet. So there's, there's two mindsets, right? There's a growth mindset and sort of a, a, a shrunken mindset, a constricted mindset. And a constricted mindset looks at the problems of life, and then it just ends there. Just here's the problem. The growth mindset, on the other hand, says, here's the problem. I don't know exactly what the solution is yet. Think about that. 
Just adding that word yet at the end makes a world of difference. We're going to look at the word and too next, next week. But just for now, just look at that word yet. See, all those are warden pieces. The little parts of truth that we can hold that help us to get through to the next day. And they, they're wardens. They kind of help to get us like, all right, just take a breath. Reel it in. What do you know? I mean, all of you could have that conversation today with someone you love. All of you have a warden truth, and I guarantee they have one too that just helps them in these times of darkness that we all need reminded of. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a little break, see a video, have a middle song, and then when we come back, what I want to do is I want to say, all right, so here's the theory of how all this works. Let's look now at the reality of it. You know, how does it actually work in life? And we're going to look again, coming back to what we were talking about, our little new addition, Reese. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the video, the song, and then I'll be back to give you a really specific example of how this worked in someone's life. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to New Church Live. Things have changed over the last year, and a lot of us are still watching from home. It's easy when we're watching from home and sitting on our sofas to forget to donate. No buckets being passed when you're on your sofa. I know myself, I've been guilty of this. Please remember, your contributions are what make today possible and all the other services and programs that are provided by New Church Live. And it's easy. Simply text the word New Church Live, all one word, to 77977. Thanks so much, and we appreciate your support. harp on these two points and and maybe want to take a note at home or or just just like really think about this right so resilience which is always about the bigger picture resilience in a time where we feel imprisoned quote unquote figuratively sometimes literally but we're talking mostly figuratively what helps to get us through love that guides and a governing truth love that guides and a governing truth that statement of kindness and the warden. So it's interesting just to watch, you know, when we, when we look at people's lives, like, like there is an awareness of that. You can hear it in their language. What I want to share with you now is a video. I want to set it up. We're going to go to a video here, and it's an interview I did with Amber, Joe, and Reese. Reese is the quiet one in the middle. And I want you to hear in their words as I interview them, I want you to hear... This love that guides. You'll, kind of, you'll see this thread that runs through. 
And you also will hear some governing truths. Now, again, if, if we were here and, and at New Church Live having a regular service, this would be the kind of thing we would pass the microphone on afterwards. We're obviously in a time of COVID not going to do that. But this is where I'd ask you to, like, share it. And, and you're welcome, again, to text it into me if you have some thoughts. But at least keep, like, a mental note. Like, as you see this video, where do you see the love that guides? And where do you see the governing truth? So take a look at this little short clip out of the interview with Amber and Joe and their little boy, Reese. Take a look. Just learning to, like, turn it over. Um, I'm more of like a reactionary person, I think. So I didn't really think about it. And then I kind of just, there's so much that's just out of your hands at that point. So the only thing I control, could control at that point is keeping a positive attitude and a positive mindset and just reminding myself, you know, this is going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. We have each other. She's doing okay. He's doing okay. And then take it one day at a time. And then here we are. That's a great way to say. And, and Joe, one, one more question for you. You know, where did you see her kind of shine? This this wonderful wife of yours. Where did you see her? You know, shine. Um, every day, like in the beginning, throughout the whole stay, she's just so strong and positive. And she had her breakdowns and lost it a few times, but like throughout the whole thing, I was just so proud of how strong she was, and just proud to call her my wife. Yeah. You know, Amber, what about you? What did what did you find kind of helped you through it, through this all? Because it's hard. I mean, you guys went through this for months. Yeah. Um, you know, so as for Joe, like, I've never really saw a sensitive side to Joe. And I feel like this has brought out, like, such a different side to him. Like, even when I was first on, like, bed rest and I couldn't move, like, he was – like I had to um, breast pump for the baby. So he was like cleaning all the parts for me and getting it ready for me. And then he was delivering the milk to the NICU and they were calling him the milkman. And, you know, he was making sure that the baby was okay. And like going to the rounds and talking with the doctors, cause I couldn't be there. And he was, you know, doing everything and like holding it down. And, you know, it was just like an amazing side that I saw to him and, you know, we would like read him stories and he was like, when we would read stories to Reese when he was in his incubator, like Joe would like have tears in his eyes. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this was never like, I feel like he wouldn't have been like this if it was not the experience that we had. So it was just so amazing to see that sensitive side to him. And he was such a great support system. And the Holy Redeemer NICU was amazing. Like, I became such close friends with all the nurses and doctors and they were like my, not only the caring for him, but they were caring for us and they were our therapists. It was just, you know, such an amazing place. And they made it, they made us feel right at home throughout the three months. I love the picture of them lined up. You know, when you guys, when you guys left was a sweet, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So I, I find that I find that video just so incredibly touching. And you can see a love, let's just look at that, right? Love that guides. I loved, I love just, you know, it brought a smile when he just said, I couldn't be more proud to call her my wife. Just to see what she did. And then the the, the staff there and what he was doing was showing up with, with milk for the baby and being called the milkman. Like you gotta love that. That's that folks is that is that love that guides. 
And think of the circumstances here. Reese was born right in the middle of the, I mean, when we were right in the middle of the soup, you know, a number of months back. They had this dream of what it was going to be like to be a parent, what it was going to be like to be a family. And they had a nine-month schedule that fell apart over the course of just one day. They end up in the hospital, unable to take in visitors, all kinds of restrictions. I mean, talk about feeling imprisoned. There you go. And in there, we see, we see like, like, think about this. Like, what do we see there? We don't see the worst of humanity. We see the best of humanity. We see this, this rising up This love that guides and this governing truth take place that truly is remarkable. It's it's like no one would want to go through that again, I'm sure. And the gifts that we get out of those challenging times are priceless. That's not to say all the stories end as well as this one. I wish I could say that is true. It's not. And stories like this do give us lessons about love that guides and a governing truth. I mean, just his simple governing truth of saying, I'm going to stay positive, I'm going to take one day at a time. One day at a time is code for what I said before, you got this. If you can't solve a week, solve a weekend. If you can't solve a weekend, solve a day. You can't solve a day, solve an afternoon. You can't solve an afternoon, solve, solve an hour. You can't solve an hour, solve the next minute. Like that's what the call is here in terms of finding that love that guides and that governing truth. What happens in this prison when this happens is the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And I would add in there the words, in prison. It's not that Joseph gets broken out of prison. It's in that prison time in our lives. Some good stuff can really happen. And what we start to see is this beautiful line, again, this beautiful piece out of New Church, a love that guides everything to ends, goals, and purposes, which we talked about before. And then, we and a love that works itself down into life's details. It works itself down into life's details. Sometimes, when we're in prison, the biggest thing we can do is the smallest act of kindness we can think of. Sometimes the biggest thing we can do is the smallest act of kindness we can think of. What does that look like? Again, all of us are either, I think, in prison or we know loved ones who are, who are literally or figuratively in prison. Like, what does it look like to really grab onto the biggest thing I can do today is the littlest thing I can think of, littlest act of kindness I can do? Helping people on that path. If we can do that, If we can take that idea, the love that guides, the governing truth, in these times where we're feeling imprisoned, what starts to happen is a pattern starts to develop. Now, now this pattern is really important. Because I think so much of the time, we develop this idea of a pattern, 
And, and the pattern could come under the self-help title of recipe for success. But please remember, brothers and sisters, we are not equating resilience with success. Can it be success sometimes? Obviously, yes. But not all the time. And I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a red herring if we kind of pull it that way. We have to just see resilience again. Resilience is this awareness of a better picture that helps us get to the next day. Awareness of a bigger picture that helps us get to the next day. And if we can keep coming back to that, keep on doing the work around that, we do start to see a pattern. This is a beautiful one I, I saw written by Philip Yancey about marriages. Every human marriage has crisis times, moments of truth, when one partner or both is tempted to give up. Older married couples will admit that during these times they question the entire relationship. Now, though, they retell the stories with humor and even nostalgia. And I have seen that happen. This is the key. For crises fit together into, indeed, they helped form, and this is the key phrase here, a pattern of love and trust. The couple's mutual response to stormy times was what gave their marriage its enduring strength. Philip Yancey. I love, I love that idea of this, of this pattern, that we're, we're trying to create this pattern of love and trust. And, and, and I, we, we just don't, oh man, this is so crazy to say. We don't develop it if we're successful all the time. How crazy is that? We don't develop it if we're successful all the time. I mean, just, I mean, I could think of a million examples here. I, you know, I, I was so privileged to, to have coached a number of, of teams, especially when I was, uh, you know, a public school teacher. And, and, you know, over the years, like I had a handful of undefeated teams. It was great. It was wonderful. It's something to celebrate. And it didn't change life nearly as much as I thought it would. I felt like, wow, when we finally have this, that'll be it. And it wasn't. There was still more to learn. There were still miles to travel before home. Thinking that we're going to be successful at everything may keep us from learning the lessons that resilience has to teach us. And if we can embrace that, we can really find that pattern of love and trust. So Amber and Joe, quick shout out. Will their life be perfect from here on out? Yes or no? No, it won't. It won't. Reese will be 13 years old at some time. Their life will not be perfect from here on out. But they went through a boot camp where hopefully, and I know them well, so I'm sure they did learn this in ways that are just a miracle. They have learned a pattern of love and trust. They clearly have learned a pattern of love and trust that they'll be able to come back to again and again. And here's the miracle, folks. I'm going to close with this question here. What can we do on this side of creation that angels cannot? What can we do on this side of creation that angels cannot? And this is a beautiful concept shared by, by the famous Jewish philosopher Martin Buber. And what Martin Buber said was, he said, you know, 
This is what we can do on this side of creation and angels can't. We can make things holy. Because we can add love to them. We can make things holy, including the struggles, because we can add love to them. Even in those times of deep imprisonment. And then we just get to see it. We just get to see these these little moments. And it's just like, man, there's just love. It's just right there. Can I share one from yesterday? Yes, here's one from yesterday. I loved this. This was so much fun. Liz, Bill, and William did little William's baptism yesterday. There's a lot of story that goes into that beautiful, blessed moment. Life always, as we say, blessed, broken, and shared. But that's a moment where we gather, just like we do on Sundays, and we just choose to make this moment holy. And it's not in the belief that only moments like baptisms in church are holy moments. It's the belief that if we have the eyes to see, it all becomes a holy moment. It all becomes holy. So to close, friends, let this be a week where you are aware of the love that guides and the governing truth that will help you get through. As well as understanding that the work, the struggle, is about a pattern, a new pattern. A pattern in your life, of your life, lived as life, of trust and love. Amen. We're now going to close with a final prayer. And then I'll say the Lord's Prayer. You have a moment for a quiet reflection, and then we'll have our last song. So please join me. So Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, be with us. Help us to understand in deeper and deeper ways this gift of resilience. Help us not confuse it with success. Help us to not even confuse it with what we might title strength. But help us to understand that resilience lies in you and in your holding. Help us to remember, Lord, the love that guides and the governing truth. This, that the love that guides is the governing truth of our lives. Help us to treat the two as one. Thank you for your presence here today. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Have a blessed week, friends. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 